welcome to another edition of Children of Song, the podcast that explores what it must have been like to grow up surrounded by music. For those of you who are taking this journey with us for the first time, we're speaking with artists for whom making music is as natural as breathing. Some of them are the sons and daughters of music stars, some of them grew up in homes surrounded by family music makers, and some of them began making music when they were so young that they can hardly remember a time when music wasn't in their lives. But all of them are children of song. We'll find out who inspired them, who they might have met on their journey, stopped by, and ultimately we'll learn what drove them to continue the family legacy and pursue their own musical journeys. I'm Robert K. Orman. I'm joined by my producer, Brad Newman. Hey, Brad. Hey, Robert. How are you? I'm good. You know, this is going to be exciting this morning. You know, um, I have two girls, and we've got a young man with us today. And, you know, we kind of complain about kids because we kind of wish they were like, you know, we were when we were kids. But, you know, what's interesting today is we really do have a throwback. And a true classic, so he's, it should be fun. You may be a classic, but I think we're listening to the future of country music today. <laughs> Brad's to help me along with this journey, and so is Jamie Pfeffer, who's our engineer. In what we're calling our Nashville sessions, we're visiting today with William Michael Morgan. He truly belongs on our podcast, Children of Song, because he began making music when he literally was a child. William Michael Morgan began playing the guitar when he was in grade school, was on stage by age 13, and within a year was a regular in the honky-tonks of Mississippi and on the stage of the Louisiana Hayride. Last year, he scored his first big hit, the number one ballad, I Met a Girl. And this year, he's releasing the album that Nashville insiders are predicting will make him a star. It has already launched his next hit, Missing. The country radio broadcasters have named him one of the genre's top new faces. Music Row magazine named him a next big thing, and Rolling Stone calls him a country artist you need to know. And Pandora dubbed him an artist to watch. I couldn't agree more. Welcome to the podcast, buddy. (laughs) Thank you so much for having us, bud. It's going to be a blast. I think so, too. You were a kid. I, mean, I was a you kid. Were I still a, am a kid. You are still a kid. You're just barely, what, 22, 24. Just 20. turned 24 in May. Yes, sir. So, so it's still new. I'm washing the new off of it. But still, you know, you, at a time when most of us are still playing with our toys, you were making music. Like Yeah, I was, man. I was still playing with my toys, of course. Mm-hmm. But uh, my toys were, were guitars and, and whatnot. You know, I, I wanted to learn real country music. At, at an early age, I was so engulfed by it. I was so taken by it when I first heard yeah but five about five years that's old. that's really about, young <laughs> about five years old is when I is, is when I remember hearing or remembering anyways the first song that I that I heard it was a song uh by a guy named Marty Robbins El Paso I'm a huge huge Marty I am a Robbins huge fan. Marty Robbins fan if I could have one voice in country music amen. that would be it amen but you but know what El Paso is a hard song it's got yeah. lots and lots and it's got lots a lot of, of lyrics words. a lot of lyrics <laughs> and, and no lot, chorus it's a lot of story yeah a lot of story it's to it. story I think that's a... really what drew me to country music was the stories uh-huh. you know and 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 the melodies and just the 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 realness of it you know with Marty Robbins mm-hmm. with George Jones and Merle Haggard and Keith Whitley some of the people that I was influenced by, you know, you know within, that, within the first few seconds of the song, that, you know who it is. That you know? song, El Paso, was the very first Nashville number one pop record of the 1960s. I did not know that. It was a number one hit in 1960. I did not know that. Wow. And Marty did it. 
and, wow. and I wish you'd known him. He was such a cool guy. That's what everybody said. That's yeah. what everybody said a lot about a lot of my influences. Yeah, you got to you got to give us a little flavor of El Paso. Uh, well, I uh, I don't know if I. I know it's hard to get in and out of because it I doesn't see. have a it doesn't have a, a real ending until he dies. <laughs> out in the West Texas town of El Paso, I fell in love with the Mexican girl. Nighttime would find me in Rose's cantina. Music would play and Felina would whirl. And there is no chorus, like yeah. you said, which is weird. <laughs> it just goes on it and on and on. on and on and yeah, on. He kills the cowboy who falls in love with wicked Felina. <laughs> exactly. And then he gets then he has to run away and, <laughs> and still he gets shot and dies in Felina's shot arms. <laughs> right there, the true love story. It is <laughs> incredible that a five-year-old is, is running around the living room singing. I was that. listening to that. And, of course, uh, the, the CD that I had... I still remember. I think it was his greatest hits. With uh, it had El Paso City right after it on right, the right. on the mm-hmm. on the listing, and so I'd listen to those two. That was the follow up, yeah. Constantly, yeah. And of course, it had Big Iron and and Don't Worry and Don't Worry, of I'm course, looking. yeah, and White Sport Coat and whatnot. So yeah, was, Don't Worry had the first fuzz tone. Guitar. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, it sure was. Sure. Later adopted by the Jefferson Airplane, you wouldn't <laughs> think. <laughs> well, most kids know what they have dreams of what they want to be when they grow up did you want to be a fireman or a cowboy well of course everybody wants to be something else you know my parents my my mom is a nurse still today she's been a nurse and rn for uh 30 years 31 years my mom 30 years 31 years and my dad he was on the police department my uncle still he's a he's a sergeant there in mississippi my other uncle's they were all military marines and this whatnot. is vicksburg right in vicksburg mississippi yeah, that's yes, a river sir. town so i was the black sheep i was the one who kind of strayed away from all that you know so that was that would have probably been my fate you know i'm i'm not cut out for none of that you know those are a lot tougher men than i am why do you think that you were attracted to music that was so much older than you i think it was the stories mm-hmm. you know and of course at that young age you don't know you know, so I was just listening to what my mom and dad listened did to. Did they have that around the house? They did, mm-hmm. yeah. And, of course, I was born in 93, so... You know, <laughs> Baby. Laugh it off, yeah. <laughs> when I was born, you know, the current uh, songs on the radio were like Mar Chestnut. We were talking about Mar Chestnut off the air here, uh, you know, which him. is another one of my big, big influences, one of my heroes. What a you singer. Yeah. Um, Tracy Lawrence and, 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 you know, people like that were on the radio at the time. So I got a lot of honky-tonk knowledge. You know, I get a lot from young artists. I get Keith Whitley a lot. I hear a lot yeah. of that voice for some reason, that particular voice and that particular it's just artist, haunting he reaches down through the generations he touches your soul mm-hmm. man just within those first few lyrics you know do miami miami oh it's one of my favorite songs it's one of my favorite songs well everybody talks about the california quakes and the first time i ever felt the earth shake was in miami when Amy touched me, oh, it shook me. I told her I loved her and I wanted to stay. She said, be sure, and I'll call you in L.A. And even in the taxi, I could hear my telephone ring. Calling me from Miami. Miami. What took you so long, I thought you'd never call. 
Miami. Miami. Miami, Miami loves me after all. One of my man, favorite. I wish you'd Keith known Lilly him. Song. I wish you'd known Keith. You know, I've had a lot of stories with <clears throat> my business managers, uh, Deborah McLeod and, mm-hmm. and Carol Culp. They uh, used to be with with uh, with with Keith, and so I've heard story after story of just that that same thing. How great of a guy he was. He was and just one of my, He was one of my genuine and real and. My Mary you know, and I used to feed him when he before really? he got, when we were trying to get him a record deal. He, wow. He'd come down from Kentucky. That's when he was with his he was with his first wife. Kathy, yeah. 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 Wow. He was a sweet man. Man, I love I love how to did, hear. How does a kid with no professional musicians around him start writing songs? Was there a, an idea in your head that well, I want to learn how to do what you know? So-and-so listening does? to those stories, you know, again, it all goes back to the stories of those of those songs, you know, of the, and you know George Jones and 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 you know Marty Robbins again. You mm-hmm. know, he he was the king of the stories. I think um, it all just falls back to that and being influenced by that. And of course, I had a lot of help when I first started coming to town. I was lucky enough to uh, get in some really good writing rooms with some really great writers, you know, by the by the names of like Roger Springer and Tim Menzies. And, I love and, Tim and Michael Mike Geiger and 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 you know Michael White and people like that. Really, uh, Win Varble, you know, just to name a few more people. But they they really opened their doors up to me when I was just a snot nosed kid coming mm-hmm. to town, going, "Hey, I like Merle Haggard," you know, and they're going, "Oh." Well, are you self- of course you do. Yeah. <laughs> Are you self-taught as a guitarist? I am. I'm sure you could tell. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Mean I that. am. Yes, sir. You know how I taught how did, myself. How did that happen? To sing and play, actually, was just I taught myself just listening to those songs, listening to to YouTube. If I huh. can, if I can be a hundred percent honest with you, um, a lot of how I learned was looking up Haggard and Jones and Waylon and all that by by YouTube. Bridging the old with the new, you know. I would just sit there and just listen and listen and listen and eventually think that I could hit those notes, you know, and then I wanted to play. And, of course, my dad played a little bit around the house. Oh, he house, did? <laughs> you know, so I, I I knew, you know, the starting off three or four chords, you know, and and if it was in G, boy, I could play it, I'll tell you. <laughs> Speaking of your dad, isn't it illegal for, like, a kid to be in the honky-tonks? Well, Mississippi, <laughs> that's the great thing about these 50 states. You know, we, Mississippi's, uh, Mississippi's a little different. <laughs> you know what? It is illegal. But uh, I was accompanied by both my mom and dad. Uh-huh. And, of course, uh, you know, we'd just go in and play and we'd, we'd get on out of there. Now, at times, you know, we'd be there for four or five hours at a time. You know, we'd get there, you know, 9 o'clock and play at 10 at night and finish up about 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. But they had to go to work, didn't they? Well, the they did. Day? Yeah, they did. You know, they sacrificed a lot. My mom, especially, because she would work nights. So, you know, she would, my dad would work mornings. So, I mean, it was rough on him, too, having to wake up, you know, after driving, you know, two or three hours at a time. Because, get this, I wasn't old enough to drive at the time. Of course you know, not. I didn't even have my permit at the time. So, they sacrificed a lot, man. A lot of money that they didn't have. A lot of time that they didn't have. And I mean, you're playing now in, in, in juke joints and, you know. Roadhouses with guys who are twice your age or more. Oh, for sure. For and sure. How, was it difficult for them to get to you to them to listen to you and take you, you know, seriously? Uh, to take me seriously, yeah, it did. 
Um, but you know, again, once we once we got in there and started playing, you know, I think it was I think it was kind of clear to them that I was really hard. My heart was in the in 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 music. You know, it was with the traditional style. How, how did you even find some of these players? That a lot of the players you? I found I found a guitar player by the name of Jamie Cooper down in Mississippi, and I was about fourteen years old, and. We just started talking to him online. And Craigslist? I mean, Craigslist. Is, is this a Craigslist? It was, it was like a Craigslist story. I think at the time it was like a MySpace deal, you know. It was like MySpace, you know. I don't think Facebook had even come around at the time. So, uh, so yeah, we were hitting him up on there. And then he knew a steel player and a keyboard player. And we brought him in. And, you know, one of them knew a drummer and a bass player. And, and so one of them had the equipment. And so it just... You know, God kind of laid it out for us, and we just started playing all the honky tonks around Mississippi. And whenever they'd let us sneak into Louisiana, we'd go over there. And what was your repertoire like back then? What did you? What kind of songs did you? We played the the. I remember leaving and moving up here, and the last song that we learned to play was "Chill Factor" by Merle Haggard. Oh, we have to hear. <laughs> we have to hear Chill. Factor. I didn't learn how to play it because there's so many chords. <laughs> I I wish I I wish I did, but uh, it's. Still to this day, one of my favorite Haggard songs. That and all in the movies and and uh, any Haggard song, any Haggard song, yeah, any Haggard song. But that was one of the you know that that was a lot of the stuff that we did. You know, George Strait. You know, uh, the Firemen. You know, mm-hmm. we we play stuff like that, and we just a good old honky tonk band. You know, was there a a uh a light that went off at some point that said, I've got to go to Nashville? Did you kind of have... Well, of course, there was. You know, everybody, you know, it's always everyone's big dream to go to Nashville. So, of course, I fell right in suit. And so, I, you know, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to write and I wanted to play and I wanted to have an album and I wanted to get out and play in front of thousands of people, you know, is the dream. And I, I remember my first time coming to Nashville, I was like 13. Mm-hmm. It was obviously well before I moved, but uh, I was about 13 to 14 years old, and I remember coming over the bridge and looking over and seeing, like, the AT&T, the Batman building, mm-hmm. and, and, and all this, all these huge buildings and everything before the sky rises, before all the, all, the, all the new stuff started coming in here lately. And I remember going, man, that's where it all happens. You know, I remember saying, man, this is so cool. You know, I'm going to be in one of those buildings one day. And little did I know that, you know, it all goes down in just a little two-bedroom house down on 16th Avenue, you know. <laughs> I remember all, that was my feeling. That's too. all it is. The first it's... time I saw Music Row, I went, that's it? That's it. Because <laughs> you think in your mind. Oh, you think? It's just huge buildings. It's like Oz. Gold streets. and. <laughs> but yeah, I remember that. And I just remember going, wow, I just, I just can't believe this. You know, this is so cool. And, you know, of course. Did you play out anywhere when you first came that first time? <clears throat> No, I was too young still. You were just I was just tour- visiting. You're I was being literally a tourist. just just being a tourist. What'd you do? The, went to the Country Music Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Checked that out. Um, of course, went to uh, Tootsie's and all that. You know, during the day you could get in, so I would go down there. Uh, I think it's like after five o'clock. You have to, right. you know, be t- over twenty-one. So I'd go down there and was a tourist down there too. Saw everything. You know, Dirk Spentley Spentley was a regular on Lower Broadway. Well, I didn't know that. And I got a funny story about Dirk's as well. Dirk's Dirk's was my very first concert that I ever went to. That's what I knew. Dirk's was my very first concert I ever went to um, back in my hometown of Vicksburg, Mississippi. Again, in that same age of, you know, 13, 14 years old. And I, you know, I I just remember, 
I think it was like, what was I thinking was out at the time? I mean, he was still brand new, you know, mm-hmm. of course, rocking it, you know, rocking it hard. And I just remember to myself at that young age, I just remember going, the girls love him and the guys want to be him. I said, that's what I want to do. <laughs> the girls are just screaming and shouting and hollering at him. I said, I got to have that. that. Sounds like a song. <laughs> you, you mentioned going to the Country Music Hall of Fame a minute ago as a tourist, and now you have an exhibit in it, right? Oh, yes, sir. Some, that is... You've got still, some of your artifacts are in there. Still so, yeah, my artifacts, <laughs> which is just still so unreal to me, man. I just, tell, I'm, tell I'm, me paired, about- I'm actually paired up with uh, Keith Whitley there. And it's uh, it's the Country Currents exhibit. It's uh, like a new cat and an, and an old and an older cat, you know. Mm-hmm. it's uh, I'm paired up with Keith Whitley. I think John Party's paired up with uh, Buck Owens. Um, I'm right next to Reba McIntyre, I think, with... Uh, Mickey Guyton, I think Mickey Guyton's paired mm-hmm. up with with Reba, Dolly's with uh, Kelsey Ballerini, I believe. But yeah, it's just they got, what, you know, what have they yeah. got of yours in the in the case? <clears throat> They've got my first guitar that I brought up here with all of the signatures of all the writers that I um, would write with me. You know, mm-hmm. one being you know uh, Roger Springer and Tim Menzies, the first cast that I wrote with, and of course later on uh, like Dean Dillon and. And uh, and like Win Varble and and more of the, you know, more of the topper top 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 writers there, you know. And, and the and the song that got you in the Country Music Hall of Fame exhibit was "I Met a Girl," which yes, was sir. it sure was a fantastic breakthrough for you. Is is still unbelievable to me, you know, to be able to say it all my live shows and and just sitting around in a place like this or just anywhere anywhere, you know, it 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 it's. It's a blessing. You always dream and you always hope and pray that you get a song on the radio and then you hope that it breaks the top 40 and then you hope that it breaks, you know, get it to 25, you know, get it to 10, get it to 5, you know, and then it finally happens and you still can't really fathom it. You know, it's just, and and we've gotten so much love out on the road from these fans and these people singing along to us, man. It's just the most amazing feeling in the world. Let's see if we can play a little bit for you here. She don't laugh at everything But when she does the planets swing around her She don't step on sidewalks Seems her teenage boyfriends all still dream about her She don't need the glitter or the Vegas lights She could blow a kiss and leave you spinning like a tilt to a world I met a girl She made me smile She made me wait She crossed the street She crossed my heart She fixed her dress She bit her lip She lit me up I met a girl With crazy shoes And baby blues The way she moves Is changing my whole world I met a girl yeah, man. You know, it's and a that great song, song. I still remember when we heard that song. You know, it was one of those, as cliche as it sounds, you know, just one of those songs that just caught your, caught, you know, caught your eye immediately, you know. And uh, it was Sam Hunt's version of it. Sam Hunt had wrote it with uh, Shane McAnally and Trevor Rosen. Mm-hmm. Trevor, Trevor Rosen. Of, of Old, Old Dominion. Old Dominion yeah. Yes, sir. And, uh, man, when I heard it, of course, it was Sam's version. It was a little. Uh, 
a little more his style, you know, a little slicker. And so, man, I just, I was like, man, How did you know, get this it? is so cool. Because old, Dom- old Dominion Ritchie, makes one of my producers. Old Dominion makes records. And yeah, for sure. And so does Sam. You and know. so does Sam makes. And now big Shane records. being a you know a head of a label, you know, you think you one know, of them would have taken it? They would have wanted to take it, but yeah. I'm glad they didn't. <laughs> I'm not so. complaining that they. Yeah, I'm not complaining about that. I'll at bet all. Old Dominion's kicking themselves. Oh man, I, I, well, <laughs> kick away, kick away. <laughs> Back in the beginning, uh, your dad was a big part of this. Well, he booked you, didn't he? Did he not? Oh yeah, planned sure. everything. He Tell planned how, everything. Yeah. Tell me how you set up that first MySpace account and started getting. Well, he did a lot of that, mm-hmm. you know. He did a lot of that, you know, uh, as far as setting it up and getting it looking decent. Mm-hmm. You did know. you think he was doing it partly because of a wishing he had done it? You know, I don't think that. Um, he did play. He did play a little bit. I think he was just proud of his son, proud of his boy, wanting to do something. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, at any point. I'll tell you this, man. I've got the best family in the world. Of course, I'm sure most people will tell you that, but I'll, I'll take that to the grave, man. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll fight anybody over that. You know, I've got the best family in the world, so supportive of me, and you know, I really think that they would have done anything for me. Is know? that and that's how you wound up on the Louisiana Hayride? It is, and that yes, you, tell the people about that show. Well, the Louisiana Hayride is what really kind of got you know, like Hank Senior and. Elvis Presley, their starts. Johnny like, Horton. Johnny Horton, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, people like that. Webb Pierce. Webb Pierce, you know. The, and it's still there at the at the Municipal Auditorium in Shreveport, which is so cool. You see a picture of Elvis, or a, a big, they've got a big statue of Elvis and a big statue of James Burton, out, out uh, which James is a f- phenomenal guitar player. The, one of the best. Yeah, one of the best. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just the coolest show, man, because everybody just gets back there and it's like stepping back in time and you became like a regular right i did yeah i played once a month it was about a three and a half hour drive for us Mm -hmm. we'd we'd make that and we'd go out there and just spend the day in shreveport louisiana and and you were young i was young 14 still yeah it's true you know um i've got kids and and you love the way they sound no matter what but you do have a special quality to your voice and you must have heard that early on i mean you must have gotten some validation from people because well for sure you know of course again my biggest supporters were mom and dad you know but um you know it 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 really kind of started making sense that we wanted to do this you know once other people started saying stuff you know because mom and dad you know they'll tell you all the time pat you on the back but you know when you get this person or that girl or that guy saying oh man your son's pretty good you know that really kind of opens them up to say, you know what, it may not just be us. He may be pretty good, you know. And I think that, too, kind of pushed him in the direction of saying, man, let's, you know, he wants to do this, let's do it, you know. And at any point, I could have walked up to my parents and said, you know what, I want to be a fireman or I want to be, I want to join the Marines or I want to go dig a ditch all the rest of my life, you know. They would have, I really truly believe, after trying to talk me out of it, I really truly believe they would have uh, supported me in any decision I would have made. So you moved to Nashville. Yes, sir. How old were you? I was 19. Yeah. I just signed with Warner Brothers. You had a deal already. Yes, sir. How did that happen? I was, well, I didn't have no money. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't have no money to move, you know. I didn't have nothing, you know. I just How'd you get your deal, I mean? 
Well, I, like I said, I was coming back and forth to town writing with writers, and, and I had already had my management set up by, at that point. And, uh, you know, I'd had a good team set up at that point altogether. You know, I'd had one of my producers, Jimmy Ritchie. Um, Still, the, 19, and you got a record deal? That's unheard of. Well, it was five years ago. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And it is unheard of, and I'm very blessed that they took the chance on me at that young age and still believe in me, you know. Um, you know, the first two years of me being signed, I guess, 2021, 20, was a lot of writing, a lot of, you know, learning myself. Heck, you know, mm-hmm. going from a kid to a young, you know, a young man, you know. And uh, I'm still learning myself, but... So you make vinyl, which was your first... Which we make vinyl. We record. make vinyl. We, well, we actually had our EP come out first. And that had six songs on it, which included vinyl and uh, I Met a Girl. I Met a Girl was and, on that. And mm-hmm. Missing wasn't on there. Missing wasn't on there. Our second single was not on there at the time. But then we released vinyl. I think vinyl came out um, like September of 2016, mm-hmm. right around the same time that I Met a Girl was going number one on the charts. Which took a long time to get it there. It took a great amount of time. Mm-hmm. But you know, but that's again, because you were new. You know, I was new and, and doing something that you know is, is a little different in today's time. It know? was different. That's I think that's why I love that song so much. It didn't sound like everybody yeah. else. Well, know? thank you, thank you. And that's what I wanted. You know, I wanted to be vinyl. true to myself. And vinyl's a strong song. Yeah, man. Yeah. You know, vinyl is is probably my favorite song that we've cut uh, for the record. You know, and so much that I loved it so much we named the the album that. So I'll play a little bit of it here. If our love was a song, girl, I'd play it all night long, girl. I tell you what, I put it on, girl. I'd put it on vinyl. A little rock, a little Motown. You got that baby, pull me close, Sam. You make the whole room go round and round like vinyl. What we got is a little old fashioned. Baby, you're an instant classic They don't make them no more like you So let the needle drop and play it all night Might have a little static, but it's alright Ain't nothing gonna stop this groove Yeah, man, when we cut that again, it was one of those songs that I just fell in love with, you know It was one of those songs that I couldn't stop listening to, you know, it was, again, one of my favorite songs that we cut. So over the past year, have you got to meet some of your heroes? I have, I have. Speaking of Chestnut, too, you know, mm-hmm. again, off off air and on, um, he actually cut a new record recently, and uh, he cut one of my songs on He it, did? You got a Mark was, Chestnut cut? I got a Mark Chestnut cut, which to me is just the coolest thing in what the world. What song is it? It's a song called So You Can't Hurt Me Anymore. Well, I bet he sings the fire out of it. Man, he sings the fire out of it. I'm telling you, he does it so great. Man. Can you do it? Uh, I can try, yeah. If I can remember it. <laughs> this is actually one of the songs that helped me get my deal. When is I it? First signed over at Warner Brothers, yes, sir. It's getting hard to look me in the eye. The sad truth is mirrors never lie After all the pain you put me through 
I always kept on running back to you There was a time we were the best of friends You had my back through the thick and thin Now I realize the bitter truth All I've got is everything to lose Well, it's time to go our separate ways Been going through hell from all the hell we raised There comes a day to turn the page And tonight I'm pouring you out on the floor So you can't hurt me anymore and uh, yeah, he he does that song. I can hear like, him doing uh, that. Yeah. Like a champion. It's nice. yeah. it's really like nice. like your hero would like you would want your hero to do it. <laughs> when you when you meet uh, an established artist, do you ask them for advice? Do you ask them? For- I do. You know, a lot of I just got off tour with Justin Moore, Lee Bryce, mm-hmm. and a lot of their shows I watched. Yeah, Lee's, you know, Lee's a good one to learn from. He's I think. a great one mm-hmm. to learn from Justin as well. You yeah, know. Um, Lee really knows how to find. He his song, really too. knows how to find those songs. Mm-hmm. He really knows how to. Um, connect with the audience to get those songs to connect with the audience you know his facial expressions his you know he's just locking it feels like he's locking eyes with every single person in there you mm-hmm. know he, kind of the Garth deal you know and uh, and he's got a physical presence he does you know, he's right. he does he's got that aura about mm-hmm. him for sure and man watching those guys I've learned so much on and off stage you know I mean and like you said little things like picking the songs that People think are so little, but make a career. Yeah. You know, um, picking the songs. I mean, connecting with the audience. What you say right after this song. What you don't say after this song. What you, you know, it's all comes down to a science on stage, you know. And that's what I learned. You know, I learned that you really got to pay attention and, and get your show together. Do you, like, try to connect with a certain person in the audience when you're performing? For sure. Do you? For sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, what I like to do is I've got a deal now with Resist All Hats. Mm-hmm. And what I like to do is I like to look out and see, like, the, the little young kids, like the little girls, you know, like maybe no, no older than eight, nine, ten years old, you know, that are singing or, or just having a good time. And I like to get out. I like to reach down there after girl, after I met a girl and give them a hat. You know, that can get expensive. It can get a little expensive. But, <laughs> but I like to do that, man, because, you know, those little fans like that, that's what makes my heart so happy, you know. I mean, of course, all the fans make my heart pretty dang happy. But, you know, to see those little kids jumping around and having a good time, you know, knowing that they got their whole life ahead of them to listen to music and have a have a blast, you know. If I can just have one little impact of that, you do know. Do you see yourself in them? I do a lot. Because you, know? you were a kid yourself. I do not a so lot. Long ago. And going to those shows and singing along, and who knows? Maybe one of them wants to be a singer. Maybe one of them wants to be a dancer. Maybe one of them wants to be a songwriter. Or who knows? You know, if I can just have one little, one little, how you doing in that? What know? do they say to you in the autograph lines? Um, man, a lot of it is thanks for playing country music. <laughs> Real yeah. country music. Yes, sir. A lot of it is. You know, thanks for being so nice. You know, a lot of people, 
you know, they're, they're, a lot of the places that we go to are really family. You know, we, mm-hmm. we've made a lot of family out there, not just friends, not just fans, but family. Well, that's one thing I like about country music is it is not we're hipper than you. Yeah, it's it is. We don't care if you're nine or no. ninety. It doesn't exactly. matter. Exactly. We don't care, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, uh, we're doing what we love because of you guys, you know, because of all the people that are out watching the shows and buying tickets and wanting to come sing, you know, a song or two with us. You know what I like about missing is that I hate being connected all the time. Yeah, in a, world, in a world where we are just so hungry for, for connection and, and, you know, being social without being social, you know, mm-hmm. just sitting at the house. People staring at their devices all staring the time. Staring at their devices all I the time. I hate that. It feels so good to go missing sometimes, man, and just shut the world off. Just shut your phone off. You know, whether that means, whether missing means actually going to a beach and relaxing or going hiking in the mountains somewhere or literally just sitting at the house and shutting yeah. your phone off for an evening. Or someplace where they don't even have cell phones. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, which is a little bit of all of that put together. I, I love I find that liberating. I was just in Alaska. Mm-hmm. recently i went missing in alaska about two three weeks ago and that was the most fun i think i've had in quite some time it was the most beautiful thing i've ever seen again no cell service mm-hmm. not a lick of it and for a good probably two three days no cell service i would have loved it i fell in love with it man the sun never went down that was a little weird <laughs> that is the weird. sun never went down but you know it never even really got dusk honestly uh but man it was beautiful it was one of the most beautiful experiences I've had in my life, going missing out there. Take us missing. In Alaska. I bet my friends are wondering where I am or if I'm still alive. They're worried over nothing. They should know I'm perfectly fine. It's just a mood I get in now and then when I need to get my head clear. I turn off my phone, get lost, get gone, and flat out and disappear. Well, there ain't no telling where I'm bound, the big city or the country or little beach town. But you won't find me, I can't be found, I'm on a mission. You be missing. I'll be back someday. I just don't know when. Till then, I'll be a feather floating in the wind. So don't you go missing me. And sometimes missing is my favorite place to be. Love it. Love it. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, you gotta go missing from time to time. This whole world'll beat you down, man. It'll it'll get you. I'm Robert K. Orman and you're listening to Children of Song. And today we're talking to William Michael Morgan. How do your song ideas come to you? Well, a lot of my song ideas that I write come a lot of it from personal experience mm-hmm. and just listening. Just listening to people and picking out what they say. You know, like, because a lot of people, they try to say stuff being funny and they try to make, you know, quick humor. And I take those and, 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 and uh, turn those into song ideas, you know, or turn those into, into titles. A lot of my ideas stem from titles, mm-hmm. you know. Um, 
I'm pretty good with a melody too, but a lot of my ideas I think stem from titles. That's that's country and music. Ideas. That's country yeah. music. Yeah. You're a, you're you have a daughter. I do. Has she has she yes, inspired sir. a song. Um. Uh. She's inspired me to get in the studio and write a whole bunch and and do as many songs as I can because it's not just about me anymore. You know, it's about her. You know, she's about 16 months now. Uh, I think just coming up, what's today, the 20 or the 17th? So in about six days, I believe she'll be 20, she'll be uh, 23. On the 23rd, she'll be 16 months. So <laughs> yeah, she's growing up fast, man. I just FaceTimed her last night. She is uh, with my mom, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're fixing to celebrate a birthday down there. My niece's birthday, my little niece's birthday. So she's down there with them. Well, it's great spending time with you, pal. Man, thank you so much for having Good us here. Good luck with this the is... record. I'm I'm on your team. Thank you, brother. Sign me up for the fan club. Come on, come on. You'll be the <laughs> first you. one there. A lot of fun. Thank, <laughs> thank you. Thank you, brother. Hey, thank you guys so much for having us again. Before we let you go, we want to welcome you to the B-Side, the Producer's Notes edition. Here's a chance for us to get everyone up to date and tell one last story. When we recorded this episode last summer, William wanted to share one last song from his new album, Vinyl. He called this next song the most emotional one in the lineup. Here's I Know Who He Is, written by Eric Church and Casey Bethard, a tribute to Eric's grandfather, a man they called Chief, for his lifelong work heading up his local police department. My album is called Vinyl, and this is probably the most touching song on the album, I think, you know, uh, a, a, at least a subject that doesn't really get much light shined on it, you know. It's a it's a song about Alzheimer's, and uh, you know I think it's just play a little bit of it here. Put away your chart You can save your heart to heart I got some memories and a deck of cards That could use some shuffling through Looks like he's still wide awake Looks like he still won't take those pills You put there yesterday Just stubborn as a mule I don't want to hear he's going downhill What about thank God he's around still Looking right through me is not at all the way I see it I don't mind at all remembering for him He doesn't have to get why I adore him He don't have to know me I know who he is. Mm, that's very cool. Yeah, man. You know, they call Alzheimer's the long goodbye. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Man, it's a... Uh, Ashley just... Campbell's a, a buddy of ours. And, uh, yeah. We've been talking Glenn. about Glenn yep. a lot lately. That uh, documentary, that documentary, man, is, is touching for yeah. sure. And then to think... That they live that, 
Yeah. Yeah. And she's very strong about it. She wants people to know about the disease, about yeah. Alzheimer's. She's very, yeah, very, very uh, vocal about it for yeah. sure. Next week, Ashley Campbell and Roy Orbison's son stop by for an emotional look at their legendary fathers. Again, we recorded these episodes before Glenn's passing, but it's a real tribute to him and to Roy, two of the best the business has ever seen. Children of Song, the podcast that combines live music with great storytelling. Till next time, I'm Brad Newman. Thanks for listening. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com. Listen to Fox News Podcast shows ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or follow wherever you get your podcasts.